Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When do you notice that the paper you're using is actually... Your skin. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Hello! Hi! Am I shouting? Uh, no. I was on an intercity train the other day and when they made the buffet car announcement, there was so much feedback, it was like being at a My Bloody Valentine concert. <laughs> and I, I think that has now given me tinnitus. Oh, really? So you're worried you're shouting all the time now? Yeah. Yeah. Why um, announcements on trains that are either far too loud mm. or completely unintelligible? There's no middle ground. No middle ground no. at all. Um, I'll tell you what else I was thinking, and you, you, this won't mean anything to you if you're outside the UK, but I think train tickets are the only thing that haven't changed at all in my lifetime. Oh, how interesting. They're exactly the same. You know, the little sort of orange at the top, yeah. and then and the, I mean, the printing might have changed slightly, but essentially the design of a train ticket is exactly the same as I remember it being as when I was a kid. Because they're always revamping everything, aren't they? Why yes. haven't they revamped the train ticket? Yeah, they clearly think, well, we've amped this once, we've amped it well, we don't need to revamp. Yeah. Um, the reason I've been on a train is I was doing some work uh, in Salford, which is next to Manchester for people who don't know, and... Basically, I was working a late night shift on BBC Radio 2. Oh, I thought you were going to say at the lads club. <laughs> I'm so disappointed. <laughs> and uh, because I was too tight to pay for a hotel, I decided I'll catch the train up to Salford mm-hmm. and then I'll do this shift and then I'll get the train back to London first thing. But this this basically involved me being up for 24 hours and I'm not somebody who does well on not very much sleep you might be able to tell from looking at me that my cold sore is back mm. I got a mouthful of ulcers I'm very run down but I don't sleep well on the train it's not comfortable mm. to sleep on the train but anyway after the second of these night shifts I'm coming back on the train I get the train at five o'clock in the morning and I think I'm going to try and put a film on and hopefully nod off with my headphones on oh yeah so I catch the train put the film on and after about half an hour I do nod off now as it happens I only nod off for about 10 minutes but I do so um in the time of my sleep in the time of my sleep um the the train goes through a station so I'm fast asleep as this happens and after about 10 minutes I wake myself up snoring 
Okay. Like I'm a snorer at the best of times, right. but you know sometimes when you have that thing where you go oh, <laughs> like yeah, that. Yeah. So I do that. I wake up. The train's been through a station in the in the time, and some people have got on, yeah. and there's a man sitting opposite me, oh. and I've just gone oh, no. and woken myself up, oh. and then I'm shocked to see someone stood opposite oh, myself. No. So I just blurt out to him. I've worked a night shift. Oh, I didn't need to tell him that. Why didn't did need I, to know. I didn't say that? Why did you? I don't know. Oh. And it was really because I'd sort of shocked myself into coming awake as well. It was really weirdly loud, probably because the tinnitus of the previous train did <laughs> as well. It was really loud. I just went into this guy's oh. face. I've worked a night shift. He went, oh, okay. <laughs> That's fine. Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah. And then I couldn't get back to sleep for the oh. rest of the journey. And, um, you know, it was just avoiding eye contact, avoiding him when I got off the train. You didn't move seats. Wow. You must have been really comfortable. Gosh. Soon people will know that we don't know what we're doing. Adrift. Somebody tweeted me a couple of days ago saying um, they, they'd love to share a story, but they are worried about their own grammar and turn of phrase because the email we get is so great. Oh, please. I'm sure you're much better than you think they are. Quite often I'll get an email and it'll start with, oh, I haven't I haven't told this very well. So, you know, please feel free to tweak it. And I read it and there's, I don't need to do a single thing to it. It's brilliant. So I, I bet it's much better than you think it is. So don't let that put you off no. is what we're saying. We're, we're not, I mean, I'm very judgmental in a lot of areas, but <laughs> yeah, you know, yes. not in this particular one. So you can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. And the first one is from Lord King Stian in Norway. I wanted to tell you about an incident that happened as I went on the train across Norway a few years back. My beloved wife is from up north in Norway, about a three days drive from where we live now, which is on the west coast. We typically go to her home place during the holidays, having nice times with her family and relatives. This summer, we decided that my family should go in advance since I had to stay behind working for a few more days. I was then to travel by train up to them some days later. I was very much looking forward to this trip on my own in first class. It honestly wasn't that much more expensive than regular seats. Spending a night and a day on the train with much possibility to read, write and watch movies. That feels heavenly, doesn't it? It really does. (laughs) All that time to yourself. The journey involved switching trains twice, so I went on three different trains. As I just got on the final one, which was supposed to be a six to seven hour trip, we got a message on the speaker system that there was a problem ahead. A truck driver who didn't know his ways around the area didn't quite understand the height of his vehicle. He'd managed to smash his truck into the train tracks underneath a rail bridge, dislocating such a big piece of the tracks that the train could not pass. As a consequence, we were told we needed to get on a bus and spend several more hours on the journey, going a lot slower trip on the roads than on the train. It was frustrating because I wanted to get to my family and enjoy the midnight sun as soon as possible. This, however, is the context of what was about to happen next. In my frustration of being robbed of the comforts of the train journey, and also the fact that we would be several hours late, I picked up the phone to call my wife. At this point, I think an explanation of the physical surroundings is in order. I was sitting in a seat with my back to the train's direction. Next to me, there was a young woman who had just got on the train on the previous stop. We hadn't really spoken much as I was preoccupied with something and she seemed to be tired. She found a comfortable position in her seat and went to sleep right away. At this point, I dialed my wife's number and waited for her to answer. Just as she said hello, several things happened at the same time. The train decelerated quickly. Out of the corner of my eye, I could see that the water bottle that was placed on the little table in front of the woman beside me accelerated towards her at an increasing speed. As she was sleeping, I couldn't expect her to catch it, so I reached for the bottle with my left hand. 
As is already established in an early episode of Adrift, sports caps on water bottles can be quite tricky. And I can tell you that this incident was no exception. <laughs> this kind of sports cap, in combination with the sudden unexpected pressure exerted by my left hand, resulted in a powerful thin jet of water leaving the bottle <laughs> and hitting its mark perfectly. You guessed it, right in the woman's eyes. She immediately woke up, of course, utterly confused about why I'd chosen a jet of water and from her own bottle, no less, as the means of waking her. At this point, my wife wondered what was going on since I'd yet to utter a word to her about why I'd called. <laughs> Luckily for me, there were no hard feelings from the woman next to me, although I obviously had to keep travelling with her in the bus for many hours after that. But I still cringe when I think how stupid I was, thinking that I could ignore the laws of physics by trying to catch a water bottle in this way without making a spill and then spraying the water in a stranger's face. <laughs> oh. oh, that's so good. It is. And this is from Alex. This story is short and sweet, but it never fails to make me wince and smile on behalf of my sister-in-law every time I think of it. She works as a primary school teacher at a lovely little school and on this particular day was asked by the headmaster to meet and greet a supply teacher and settle him into the class that he would be teaching for the rest of the week. His name was Mr Dick, which she committed to memory using the common method of word association. I don't know at which point his name morphed in my sister-in-law's mind, but the following moments are burned there in all their glory until her dying days. When his class were well well settled and the 32 eager faces peered up at Mr Dick, eager to find out who he was and what he was doing there, my sister-in-law introduced Mr Dick to the class quite confidently as follows. Children... Today, we have a very special teacher here to look after you in Miss Taylor's absence. This is Mr. Cock. Oh! <laughs> the words seemed to echo around the classroom as Mr. Dick corrected her in a quiet voice. <laughs> Actually, it's Mr. Dick. <laughs> Obviously, she avoided Mr. Dick for the rest of the week and prays for him never to return. She also periodically catches the teaching assistants laughing about the incident. <laughs> oh, oh, that's really quite something. That's as if you'd need to do word association with Mr. Dick. It's so easy to remember. You're never going to forget that. Oh, it's so good. Oh. Um, and just back, back onto the previous one, Lord King Stian, was yeah, it? Um, yeah. It just reminded me, uh, it's slightly off topic, but there's a great film that I watched years ago, which is set on a train going through the, uh, or at least partly set on a train going through the Norwegian countryside, which I recommend really oh, highly. Okay. It's called O. Horten, H-O-R-T-E-N. Mm-hmm. And it's a story of like this Norwegian train driver who's done this one particular route for his whole career, like 40 years or whatever it would be, um, driving the train from Oslo to Bergen through this beautiful scenery. And he's retiring and it opens the night before he's due to retire with his colleagues having a party for him. And then he's got to get up the next morning to drive the train for the last time. And that's that's the, you know, that's the premise of it. And it's a really funny film. Okay. So um, as a recommendation for you, O, just the letter O, and then Horton, H-O-R-T-E-N. And if you have a story to share with us, you can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. Please, please. 
You just get in line and stand by the wall. I'm not going to shoot you. This is a show called Adrift. With Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Humble. Yeah, yes. Uh, you prepared a story. I have. And what subject is the story on this week? Well, as I've said before, or if you've ever heard me do it, I can't sing. But I love TV singing competitions. Like I've watched and I've loved pop stars, pop idol, pop stars, the rivals, X Factor, Fame Academy, The Voice, all those ones where they search for a West End star. Any dream will do. I'll do anything. <laughs> Superstar, you're the one that I want. How do you solve a problem like Maria over the rainbow? <laughs> I did draw the line at all together now with Jerry Halliwell, though. I'm sorry about that. But yeah, sometimes you have to draw a line somewhere, don't yeah, you? Yeah, you do. You need your limits. So I do. I love these kind of shows. And there have been long, dark winters where I've thought, I could end it all now, but I want to see if Kristen <laughs> Maloney gets voted off The X Factor this week. You know, it's, re- it's really kept me going at times. Yeah. I look forward to them being on. I love watching them. I like talking to my friends about them. I like thinking about the contestants. But I think what I like most of all is seeing people's dreams come true and such Big, huge dreams that only come true for a small amount of people. I'm just a sucker for someone who's been working and working at something for years and years and never getting their break and having their moment. Why, why do you think that resonates so <laughs> with you, Annabelle? I'm also just really trying to justify what I'm about to tell you. Right, okay. So we're going back to what I think is the first singing-only talent show, Pop Stars. Yes. 2001. This show introduced us to the world to Darius Dinesh, Michelle Heaton, Jessica Taylor, and also to Danny Foster, Noel Sullivan, Suzanne Shaw, Kim Marsh, and Mylene Class, who are the winners. Hearsay! The group who became Hearsay. Now, I was totally hooked from this show from the very beginning. The moment that Kim confessed she had two children like it was a terrible, dirty secret. (laughs) Every time we saw Mylene's hands on the piano playing Coldplay's Trouble followed by a moving montage. I even bought the single they released, Pure and Simple. A friend made me some artwork made up of a lot of Sir Danny Foster's face, which I had on my wall. (laughs) I'm really, really trying to justify what I'm about to tell you next. So I'm really, I'm really into pop stars. But, you know, I'm also 26 at the time, you know, I'm... It's not really my kind of music. But when a friend of mine tells me he's managed to get some free tickets to go and see Hearsay perform in London, I am totally up for it. I wouldn't pay him to go and see them, obviously not, but it's free. You know, and it'll be a laugh. And I'll get to see the stars of my favourite TV show, In the Flesh. And I can tell you the exact date of this gig, even though it's not normal to know the exact date of a gig that you went to, especially not a gig you've gone to just for a laugh. It was... The 11th September 2001, also known as 9-11. I remember watching the attacks on the television and like everyone else, I'm shocked and horrified. And hours later, that's still how I feel with 99.9999% of my brain. But there's now 0.011% of my brain thinking, God, can I still go and see hearsay? Like, would that be okay? And they've not cancelled it. So I do go. Because that's what the terrorists would want for them to cancel the hearsay concert. (laughs) I spent the evening of the 11th September 2001 at the Excel Centre with Danny Knoll, Suzanne Kim and Mylene and around about 3,000 six-year-olds very excited (laughs) with their horrified mums. 
And Hisei didn't just pretend that nothing had happened when faced with this audience. They held a two-minute silence, which wasn't silent at all, because how can you get 3,000 <laughs> excited six-year-olds to be quiet? And then Kim Marsh did a short speech about the attacks, which I can't remember. Oh, what a great shame. This was the days before, really, people had oh, camera phones. I did, yeah, I did try and look on the internet to see if there was any kind of evidence of it. I do think it's weird that I can't remember it, because I'm sure that it was a real, you know, fight them on the beaches or I have a dream moment. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah. it's one of the great speeches. I still can't decide whether I should have gone or not, because like you say, there was a lot of talk at the time about carrying on as normal and not letting the terrorists win. But I'm not really sure that anyone meant going to a hearsay concert when they said that. So I think if my son or, you know, maybe grandchild ever asked me about where I was on 9-11, I think I'm just going to pretend that I was in prison rather than (laughs) tell them the terrible, terrible truth. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Germans. Drift. Oh, do you remember we were talking about when you had to um, nurse made a bunch of German teenage tourists mm. a little while ago? And um, you were saying you fed them twiglets and they, they were horrified yeah. by it. So Tiff has run a poll on the Drifters, the official Adrift discussion group on uh, Facebook. Uh, and the, the question is, who likes twiglets? Yeah. And in top place is the answer, no, horrible things. Who are these people? I don't know. Really? Uh, then, then yes, me is closely in second place, although I'll admit that I, I voted <laughs> to try and bump it up a little bit. Um, then in third place, maybe, maybe the oddest answer is, they're all right, no strong feelings. What? No? How could a twiglet not evoke a strong feeling? You're supposed to love it or hate it. Yeah, and then we've got a couple of sort of never have them oh. and can't remember. I mean, can't, can't remember, remember is weird as well. I think if you've eaten a twiglet, you never forget it. Ever? Yeah. Whoa. So that's all happening on Tiff's group, which is the Drifters, the official Adrift discussion group, and um, some good stories and discussion of issues arising from previous podcasts on there. Um, I'll mention Patreon very quickly at this point. If you are able to support us on Patreon, we greatly appreciate it. Thank you uh, to you if you do so already. If you don't, then just a little bit of money every month helps us keep the podcast going. I think we need to do something else in lieu of the Partners podcast while your lover Tom is away so much at the moment. Yeah. I wonder if we could do... um, I was going to say like a recipe book, but that that, that sounds like a, a a bit too much effort, doesn't it? But um, if we could do like um, an adrift approved diet plan, <laughs> so twi- twiglets could be on there. Yeah, soup uh, for dinner. No, not soup for dinner because mm. it's not a substantial meal. Right, like soup as a starter. Okay, uh, we've had this discussion many times before. You just said that to be provocative, yeah, didn't you? I did, um, but. So I'm doing that 5-2 diet at the moment. Right. So I have been just eating on the days where I'm only allowed 600 calories. I've been starving myself all day Mm. and then basically just eating a load of fried onions for my dinner. That's the way to do it. (laughs) What? That's the worst diet ever. I know. know. But it's really, you know, doing some some, some quite impressive things to my digestive system. Don't want to know. Yeah. Anyway, let's have a think about because yeah. the partners podcast, due to uh, Tom having an actual job, mm. uh, is is slightly delayed. So Annabelle and I are going to talk, and we're going to. I think there's an official adrift diet plan 
mean seven days based on I think maybe a recipe is better. <laughs> I can give my my special recipe for uh what have I cooked recently? Sweet potato, broccoli and carrot puree. <laughs> Is there anything an adult could eat, though? <laughs> yeah, I could do my special penne arrabbiata recipe. Is it your special penne arrabbiata recipe? I don't know. Because this is the trouble. I did think, oh, why don't we give them some of our favourite recipes? But mm. then I thought, I, I'm in uh, the way I cook is like I'm speaking a language phonetically. You know, when people mm. just break down the words into how you should say them and write them down for people. So I don't understand how to cook, but I can follow a recipe very, very precisely. Mm-hmm. So I'm a good cook in the sense that I obey all instructions and it ends up tasting like it should. Yeah. But I don't know what I'm doing. So the the knock-on effect of that is if I was to provide a recipe, I would have just stolen it out of somebody else's book. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Less special, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Apart from my onion thing, which you've already poo-pooed. Well, maybe not quite get... sure that's the right expression, actually, given the after <laughs> effect of the onions. But, um, anyway, uh, we're, we're, we're working on it. I just want you to know that we are working on it. And in the meantime, uh, you can su- support us by going to patreon.com stroke adrift now that you're listening it's happening do you know it do you like it when will you be here in the future i will be here in the future adrift with jeff lloyd and annabelle port so something exciting has happened in my neighborhood oh yeah there is a local primary school and every sunday they've started having a little food market in their playground. Oh, nice. Open to members of the public, not just to the primary school children, yeah. who I think would be less interested in the artisan produce than the uh, than the local people. So so I went there for the first time this Sunday, mm-hmm. and it's quite small. It's, you know, it's new, so they've only got a few vendors there at the moment. And basically every stall is in sight of every other stall. Right. So I go... And the first thing I see is a really, really nice-looking baked goods stall. They serve great-looking bread and pastries and cakes and savoury nibbles and so on. And I think, oh, I'm going to get something from that stall. Mm. But I just want to look around the other stalls before I do. You know, you want you want to get a sense of what's there yeah. before you commit. Mm-hmm, I'm not commitment phobic, right? No. <laughs> But I just wanted to get a sense of what that's, what's there. So I, I walk around, and it's basically two rows of stalls facing each other, directly opposite the baked goods stall that I'd seen on my way in is another baked goods stall selling bread, etc. Oh. Which doesn't look as nice as the first one. Right. However, they've got a sign up yeah. saying... That it's a, a social enterprise and all our profits go to help refugees. Oh, God. So I'd been thinking, oh, I really want to treat myself and go back and get a loaf of bread from that other stall. Yeah, yeah. But as soon as I see this one supports refugees, I think, oh, no, I'm going to have to buy it from here now and do a good deed. <laughs> and the thing is, I couldn't just walk away and go back to the other stall without them knowing because they're directly opposite each other and in plain sight. Yeah, and yeah. it was quite empty to begin with. I sort of feel like they're doing the dirty on the other stool. Yes! In a way. Yes! I mean, is there another way of handling this situation? Because I bought the refugee bread. Mm-mm. Not great. Oh, God. So my choice is either I go back to that thing every week and just buy refugee bread to do, you know, do a good deed yeah. and eat inferior bread. Yeah, yeah. Or I just boycott the whole thing altogether. <laughs> is it? Or is there another way? 
I find out in this week's The Incident. I thought that maybe I was worrying too much about ethics, so I decided to seek advice from the most unscrupulous person I know. It's my friend John Connerty, who's a reality TV producer, so he's used to setting his morals aside, and he's also been mentioned a couple of times in the past on the podcast. He's the person who hogged the mic at karaoke in a previous episode of The Incident, and he's the one who famously dumped Annabelle on her birthday. I think you need to reframe it so that you realise that the good people are the artisan bread makers and the bad people are the ones offering a substandard product and then cynically attaching a good cause to this inferior product to shift units and rig the market. But is it, isn't just what they're trying to do. What they're trying to do is just raise money for refugees. They're, they're, they're busy helping the needy and they, they haven't got that much time to devote to their sourdough. No, what what they're doing is they're using a good cause to make up for their lack of skill and their lack of quality. That's what that is what they're doing. So, so then, what what should I do then? If 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 my basic problem is that I don't want the people selling the refugee bread to see me buying the artisan bread because they'll think, oh, he's a terrible person. Well, the best solution would be to find a refugee. And bring a refugee with you to the market and buy them a loaf of artisan bread. Because, because where, they, they've pro- probably not tried artisan bread. I mean, once you've had it, it's difficult to go back. Well, it's impossible to go back because it's, uh, I mean, you know me, I really, really like sourdough loaves, right? Really good sourdough loaves. Yeah. I can't eat sliced bread from a packet anymore. I used to. Yeah, I used to love I a bit of Mighty White, but but not anymore. No, not anymore. It's not right. And the, what you've got to realize, it's like, where does it end? It's because what would happen if everybody went and shopped at the, the, the place that gave the pound away to the refugees? The well, refugees. I suppose we would all have bread which was somewhere between substandard and perfectly adequate, but a lot of uh, good would be able to be done with the money generated through their profits. Yeah, but why don't they just make better bread? Because right? they're, so, they're, they're busy. But- we're doing the other things what? that, but you know, the the bread is uh, the bread isn't the main concern. The refugees are the main concern. I like people that run marathons and expect me to give them money to go and do it. <laughs> it's like, well, I don't want to. It's not helping anybody, is it? Making a shit loaf of making a bad loaf of bread, <laughs> and then and then pressuring you to have an unpleasant bread life for the next three four mm. days. How does that help refugees really? I suppose I could donate money to a charity which teaches refugees how to bake sourdough bread properly. Or what you could do. So I know you think I'm unethical, right? But six months ago, I went to Calais on my own spend to spend the weekend helping out with the refugees there, right, in one of the warehouses. Wow, I'm impressed. This, This is not the John I know and like. Um, I mean, yes, occasionally you'll get worked up about an issue and you'll put a ranty post on Facebook, but it's a surprise here about you getting out there and doing something. Well, to be honest, I looked at the economics of it. Everybody else who was helping the Calais refugees out was like, oh, we got here, we hitchhiked here, and then we stowed away on a boat and we got here for £5 to we live in a tent. Me and my mate, who went, we, we did the Eurostar and stayed in a nice hotel. We worked out the spend for the weekend we'd had was about 1,200 quid. <laughs> 
that we'd have probably been better off just giving to the refugee right yeah cause. yeah but we wanted to, we wanted to feel good but what if you went and did something actively did something you mm. could then go and speak to the loaf people and say i think what what you're doing is good it's a good cause i've done this good thing i'm going over there now to buy the nice loaf because <laughs> i like bread <laughs> Well, while I've got you, um, I just thought I'd address a couple of things from previous podcasts. Now, you yourself were a previous topic of the incident because I refused to go to karaoke with you anymore because you hug the microphone. Well, I felt what you did was misrepresent my karaoke actions. I feel like everybody in a, in a good karaoke environment needs someone who's driving the song choices, driving the energy. And you sing along too loud when other people are on the microphone. You should just join in on the choruses, not on the verses. <laughs> well, I feel like I'm being criticised for having a childish enthusiasm in a singing environment. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also the, the other ethical issue I thought I'd just ask you about very briefly is what was going yeah. on in your mind the time that when you and Annabelle were briefly dating? What was going on in your mind when you dumped her on her birthday? Honestly. On her birthday. Yeah, yeah. I like you didn't think, but... I'm going to let her have this day, it's her birthday, I'll just let her enjoy herself and then I'll break the news tomorrow. What, what was it that made you think it was okay to ruin her birthday like that? Well, I mean, I don't have that much self-esteem, so I didn't think that it would necessarily ruin her birthday. <laughs> I thought it could be a cherry on the cake. <laughs> she would feel free. <laughs> There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss excuse me do you have any wood Jeff Lloyd in Annabelle Port adrift Ooh, I'm in the stream oh, while I was working up in Salford next to Manchester I used it as an opportunity to catch up with an old friend so I went out for dinner with my old friend Slacky the other night oh. who I've probably not seen at this point in, in over five years oh wow so I met her uh, in an Indian restaurant and pretty sure that as I said hello to her I just registered horror on her face at how much I've aged in no, five yes I think really? so yeah I'm, I really think that that happened oh, no. I, I th we went and sat at a table and you know we had a poppadoms and a drink and stuff and I, I'm pretty sure that the first sort of 15 minutes of the uh, of the experience was was her just sort of like scrutinizing my face and thinking god what what have the last few years done to you <laughs> and then she says, uh, oh, oh, by the way, being grey really suits you. And this is sort of horrifying to me because I know that I have more grey hair than I ever had, but I don't yet identify as a grey-haired person. Do you still identify as a redhead? I know that my redhead days are... My beard, I'm still quite red of beard, I think. On the sides. But I... <laughs> You think I just have a white beard? No, no. On this, it's very red still. On this, it's very red still on the sides. But you your think, beard. You think? No, it's think, still a red beard. Do you think if I just shaved the beard and the moustache bit off it, I'd just had big red sideies, it'd make me look younger? 
like a like reverse big, goatee. Yeah, like, like sort of Noddy Holder look. Do it, do it. So I, I do think, like, I'm not a redhead anymore, but I do mm. think of my hair as being kind of like an auburn brown colour. But really, it's grey, isn't it? And I need to I accept d- that. I wouldn't. See, I, I'm, I, you know, when you see someone a lot, and, and things happen very gradually. Mm. I, I, I don't see you as a red anymore, but I don't see you as grey either. Mm. What, I'm not sure what I'm calling it. I do remember, this was some time ago when we worked at the radio station, going out and having my hair cut and then coming back and somebody saying to me, oh, have you had streaks put in? <laughs> streaks? <laughs> grey streaks. Streaks of grey. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I don't know. Do you think it's time for me to get a box of Just For Men? <laughs> I think it's a bit late. <laughs> <laughs> be a bit dramatic. Don't you have to do it gradually as it starts to happen rather than overnight? Two words. Yeah. Paul McCartney. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Although he's stopped doing it now. Oh. Yeah. Has he yeah. embraced the... He's uh, embraced okay. the, the grey. But there was a point at which, if you remember sort of Paul McCartney, sort of late 80s, early 90s, he was, he was definitely greying. Mm. And then all of a sudden he was like this lovely chestnut colour. Well, And if it's go. good enough for a beetle, Annabelle. <laughs> okay, do it. The other thing that happened while we we're out for dinner is she um, she got some coriander, a leap like a bit of speck of coriander on her face, mm. and I really agonised about whether she was telling some story, and it was quite uh, you, know, you catch up with somebody, and it's been five years. Like usually, quite a lot of intense things have happened in people's lives. Mm. I'm listening to stories, we're laughing a lot, but she's also telling some stories which are you know less less funny, and um, there's a speck of coriander on her face, and I'm thinking, at what point do you interrupt to tell somebody this? I, th- I think you don't. I think interrupt is the, is the word that, you, that should tell you all. I think you wait till they finish. So I was there at the funeral. Just, <laughs> just let me stop you a second. Yeah. A yeah. Of, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. That's good. Good advice for next time. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port in a show called Adrift. All right, on to Quandary Corner at the Glap Clinic in Problematic. It's the Rules School and uh, Knowledge College. There we go. Okay, nailed it this week. Yeah. Um, if you have a social situation where you need to know the correct rules of behaviour, let us know about it and we will tell you what those rules are. Email us, hello at adriftpodcast.com. Joe from California. So my quandary is this. I go to a therapist every now and then and have been seeing her for about three years. She's nice and everything, but not totally on my wavelength. So I've thought about switching therapists. The awkward situation I could foresee myself getting into is walking in to see my new therapist and bumping into my old one. Let's say changing locations or medical networks isn't an option. What do I do? I would love to hear your thoughts. Oh, so changing location. So you, is this Can't all, the, all the therapists are in the same building? Is that seems what that way? Seems that's not an Joe option. Joe is saying. Um, it's it's a weird thing, isn't it? So a, a, a first question would be: Have you ever seen the therapist out in the wild, so to speak? Mm-hmm. Because I had this therapist a, a few years ago, and I saw him in the street, and I felt we had a good connection. He and I, mm-hmm. to the extent where I had wondered a few times if I was his favourite client. <laughs> I'm sure you were. <laughs> that is a problem that I have. I always want to be my therapist's favourite. Oh, right. So, you, so you're saying things that they want to hear, which yeah, probably no, isn't yeah, the best yeah. way to you know, spend ho- your money. <laughs> holding things back which right. reflect poorly on me. Right, right, yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> Not really. But um, but anyway, I, I saw him in the street and I was pleased to see him. He was with what I presume was his wife. And I said, hello. He said, oh, hi, and carried on walking. Okay. Because some therapists have that thing that, uh, you know, if you see yeah. them in the wild, they, they don't interact, Mm-mm. which I found a little bit hurtful mm. and changed therapists not long afterwards. Oh, oh yeah. right. But I've, I mean, I have over the years had many therapists and I've never ended it well with any of them. 
That's not to say there's ever been a big blow up or anything like that, mm. but I have, in essence, just what I believe the young people refer to as ghosted them. <gasps> no. Yeah, just stop going, and um, if they've called, I've just not taken the calls. Really? Yeah. I'm really surprised. Yeah, because the awkwardness of ending it is is too difficult for me. It is difficult. Yeah, having to say. How have you oh, ended things with therapists? Well, I've only ever had one therapist, and um, I mean, I just did the right thing. <laughs> I'm kind of a great girl. I just said, oh, I think. I think it's I think it's time like I think I think I'm better now. I think it's time to end this. Um and like I can't really afford it anymore. That's uh, always a good yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, then if they that's see not, you it's going not to... gonna work for Joe. No, 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 no. no, no. Okay. Because so... then you have a withdrawal period, like with them where yes. you have like you're supposed to kind of wean yourself off them, aren't you? Mm. I mean, oh it's the same with hairdressers though. Like say you go to a yes. hairdresser and you think someone else in the salon's better, but unfortunately you just have to have bad hair for the next, you know, the rest of your life. You can't change hairdressers and have them see you go to someone else. So here's here's what you do, and I will just say, like, change finding a new therapist is never fun anyway, mm-hmm. because you have to do that intense thing where basically you're doing previously on my life. And you're telling the harrowing, depressing story of your life, maybe getting a bit upset in the process. And then you've got to decide whether they are the person for you based on how they react. Mm. And it's exhausting doing that more than once. So you can end up just like going, having a new therapist who you feel indifferent to really, but you just don't want to put yourself through that again. Mm So I think what I was saying to Joe is uh, stick with what you know. Well, here's here's, here's what I think you should do. Is the next time you have a session... Or even do it in a text. Mm. Say, oh, just let you know, I think I'm fixed now. I'm fixed. I'm better. Yeah. 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 And then start seeing the new therapist that you've got your eye on. Right. You've had your head turned by. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in disguise. In disguise, yeah. Oh, or I was going to say, claim that somebody brought you, bought you therapy for vouchers for Christmas. <laughs> this other person. Yeah. This, I think disguise is actually better than that. Okay. That's saying something. Okay, disguise it is. <laughs> okay. All right, on to the next one. Okay, this is from Distinguished Regent Martin. Dear Quandry Corner at the Glap Clinic in the Problematic Rules School, I am in a pickle. I need professional advice on what to do. You're in the right place. Oh, absolutely. There is a shop near where I work that I frequent on a lunchtime. I've been doing this for quite a few years now and have become quite chatty in a very socially awkward sort of way with some of the girls on the checkout. During these chats, I've gleaned all sorts of information about them, their kids and what they get up to. Similarly, I've also shared the same information about me. Over the years, I've noticed a couple of the girls pop up as people I might know on Facebook. I don't feel I know them well enough to friend them, but I have a sneaky peek at their timeline and pictures. Anyway, recently, one of the girls popped up who I hadn't seen before, so I duly had a quick peek and thought nothing more of it. Jump forward to a few days ago, I was scrolling through my activity log on Facebook so that I could show a friend a video that I'd previously oh no, liked. I can see where this is going and this is, this is horrible. This is <laughs> to my horror, horrible. I noticed I'd accidentally liked two photos of this latest particularly attractive lady. Oh no. One of her with her daughter and one of her with her equally attractive friend. Oh my God, I've liked her photos. My name with a link to my profile will have appeared on her notifications. Yeah. She'll have clicked on the link and seen a photo of me, the weird guy who comes into the shop yeah. and has awkward conversations with mm. her. She'll think I'm stalking her mm. and being especially creepy by liking a couple of her photos. Do I act as if nothing has happened? How would it even be possible to do this? Do I try and explain things to her in a socially awkward manner during our next 30 second interaction at the checkout? Do I never frequent the shop again? which is, of course, the action I'm currently taking. 
Do I have to accept that I really am a stalker and hand myself over to the police? Please help me as I'm running out of jelly babies and I don't really want to have to walk the extra 10 minutes to the next nearest shop that sells them. Yours in eager anticipation, Martin. All right, Martin. Firstly, I think you really need to have a look at yourself. Like The fact that you did it twice suggest to me there's something else going on subconsciously you 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 know like when criminals want to be want to be caught <laughs> you're saying that his subconscious is doing something to him yeah wants... I, I, i'm not sure that at one time an accident twice i'm not so sure i, but, see, I see what you're saying yeah. twice does seem weird but maybe there was i don't know something wrong with his laptop his mouse i don't, I don't know. know i don't know but um i mean there, there are two options here, you know, of, of the ones you've identified. Like, and I am leaning strongly towards you never go in that shop again. Yeah. And the other? The other is, it's based on some logic from back when I was a drinker. So when I was drinking, I used to do, you know, I used to wake up in the morning and just feel terrible shame and regret and guilt at whatever stupid thing I'd done the night before Mm. and how I'd embarrassed myself. Mm. And this was my life for a while. And then I got to a point, and I think it was after a number of years, where I'd heard somebody use the phrase about drunk people. Oh, well, you know, there's always somebody who gets a bit too carried away. Mm. And I had this weird, like, penny drop moment where I thought, oh, if there's always somebody, then why shouldn't it just be me? (laughs) So applying the same logic, mm. you know, just accept that you are the creepy guy. Poor Martin. No, I'm sorry. Okay. These are his choices. Yeah. You know, there is no way they haven't had the conversation. Right, yeah. Yeah, they've talked about it. Yeah. So <laughs> you, the explaining is going to seem like some kind of admission of guilt. Yeah, don't whatever you do, don't do that. Yeah. Can I say what I think you yeah. should do? I think he should start going back to the shop and I think he should never mention it and stop with the conversations and start being really cold and like just sort of inwardly hostile towards them. And then she'll start thinking, what have I done wrong? Like, what have I done to upset him? And then she'll get confused and forget about what he did and just want him to like him again. So she'll start being extra nice to him and it will be forgotten. Maybe they'll even get together. I don't know. I can't believe I'm sitting opposite a woman who is advocating this kind of behaviour from a man. (laughs) Okay, I haven't thought it through properly. Just don't ever go to the shop again. If you'd have been watching Love Island and somebody behaved like that. But that's where I got it from. I'm watching too much Love Island. Oh, I hate myself. Um, If you have a situation you'd like to know the correct behaviour, email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening. And if you enjoy spending this time with us, why not find us a new listener or two? Why don't you say to a, a friend or lover or colleague or family member, do, do you know what I think you would enjoy? A drift. Give it a go. What's the worst thing that could happen if, if you tried that? Well, I mean, I suppose they could be horrified and say to you, you, you think that passes for entertainment? You are clearly not the person I thought you were. And... I think we may have to terminate this relationship, but at least then you'd know, wouldn't you? Um, and we would appreciate it, nonetheless. 
So yeah, uh, see if you can find us a new listener. That is your task for this week. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music during the incident. And thank you to my friend John Connerty for providing such sage advice during the incident and um, for having his feet held to the fire vis-a-vis the karaoke and dumping Annabelle on her birthday. Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox are our announcers and made our eye dents. Patrick Gunning and Iwana Babu provided technical support. Kim Rainey made our artwork and Carla Gowlett took the photos. Please support us on Patreon. You've got a little bit of extra money. Just an American dollar a month. What is that? Um, 75p? I'm, I'm not quite sure what it is, actually. But if you've got that much spare a month or more, then consider supporting our podcast on Patreon. Patreon.com stroke adrift. Uh, it really helps us out and it, it you know, enables us to carry on making the podcast. So if you do spend time with us every week and you think, I, I appreciate this, then prove it with money. Uh, Patreon.com stroke adrift. And finally... Thanks to Popstars winners Hearsay for helping Annabelle and thousands of others uh, come to terms with the atrocities of 9-11. Adrift. Adrift. On to the Podications. That's a little jingle I've written for the Podications. What do you think of that then? I noticed you were wincing. When you say written, <laughs> suggests a little more effort went That's into what it. what I've been doing this past week. Right. Uh, Gordon Derbyshire writes, Hello, Annabelle. Hello. More than likely. Mm. Um, I've finally signed up and pledged today. Yes! Yes! I have been freeloading from the start. I do quite like the idea of labelling the non-Patreons <laughs> supporters as freeloaders, but, oh. you know, we appreciate that different people's circumstances are different yeah. and so on. But after listening to the last podcast, number 45, the uh, and the fact that my birthday is due on the 10th of July, I finally felt I had to act. I burst into tears twice on my dog walk last night, uh, listening, as I do, to the local golf course um, bimbling about, your story about the angst of simply introducing yourself at the maternity group really hit home. (laughs) Uh, Then Jeff's total breakdown during the podifications Mm. with total sincerity, not X-Factor style really also got me. Sorry, I'm not in control of my own emotions. Um, I'm a happy chappy generally, and actually a salesman who has to hide behind the dazzling suit to perform. I really hope it is a dazzling suit. Love like the gold idea. Lamo. Yes, me too. Feeling dread to most appointments till my cloak is donned. It really struck home, so uh, I felt it was time to subscribe. Joe, you know, it is incredibly useful to know that somebody who's capable of doing a job like that feels like this. To Isn't me. it? Yeah. Because so many people say, oh, you've got to fake it till you make it. But I say, but most people don't have to. I can't fake it. But maybe maybe more people are than we think. I think most people are. Yeah. I'm ex-Royal Navy, so would live a cool, uh, sorry, would love a cool seafarer title if possible. And a little self-indulgent shout out on the 10th of July would be ace. So I actually think we're a little bit late with this one, it's uh, yes, it, it, we've yeah. been in contact, so yeah. he knows all about that. Um, yeah. If Ace is still a thing, I think it is still a thing. Yeah, unless, absolutely, yeah, yeah. It should be more of a thing. I'm 56, so in my world, it still is. Um, 
Bless you both. Look forward to the benefits. Well, Annabelle will give you a good nautical title. I have already. Oh. I have forgotten it, but it's something like Lord High Sea Lord. <laughs> Double Lord. I, I don't think it's Double Lord, but it's along those lines. Like a High Sea Lord Admiral type thing. I don't remember what it is. It's something like that. Yeah. Um, how about crew for a location for the live show? Oh. Everyone on the rail network can get to crew. <laughs> uh, I have stories to tell and we'll do so in the fullness of time. Just not ready yet. Cringe. Mm. Gordon, uh, blessed from Winsford. Exiled Brummy. Or oh. Gordon blessed. Yeah, Gordon blessed from Winsford. Sorry, I thought he was saying he was Gordon and he was blessed from Winsford. But his surname's not blessed. I think it is. No, it's uh, Derbyshire. Oh, Derbyshire. Yeah, so you're right, yeah. Oh, then he is Gordon Blessed from Winsford. Blessed. Yeah, he's, he's blessed. blessed. He's, he's blessed. blessed. Okay. Yeah. Um, Winsford. I'm trying to remember what I can tell you about Winsford. It is quite near to Crewe. Okay. Not too not too far from there to Jodrell Bank, Oh, of I've heard of that. The Radio Telescope. Yeah. Uh, or the Salt Museum. What? <laughs> Where is the Salt Museum? I think Northwich, which is quite close to that. Maybe we could do the show there. I think what people always used to say to Winsford is it's an overspill from Liverpool. Overspill, that's nice. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> uh, Gordon, thank you for that. I very much enjoyed that email. And the, the second one comes from Sam Maskell, who says, Hi, Jeff and Annabelle. Hi. Hi. I would love it if you could read out this podcast for my husband, Chris. We have been avid listeners since the radio days and have subscribed to Adrift since its creation. Thank you. We appreciate that. Um, we love coming home from work on a Wednesday and discussing the newest episode. Aww, this is good. You know, in a marriage, you need conversation topics. <laughs> yeah. It's Chris's birthday on the 12th of July. Uh, so we're going to be a bit late with this one as well, I think. They, they, they know already. And whilst he will receive some great presents, he's requested Sabutio. He is 34 and a father of two kids who will likely not get a look in. Um, I believe the best gift will be hearing his own, very own podication. I think the Sabutio will probably edge it, but that's a, a nice thing to write to us. Uh, thanks in advance. Keep up the the, uh, the work. It says, Sam, P.S. I'm a supporter on Patreon. Yes! Yes! Not one of those freeloaders. <laughs> and accidentally deleted the email from Annabelle with my title. I'd be most grateful if you could resend it or even better read it out so I have an audio record too. You are... Royal Chamberlain. Royal Chamberlain. You see, mm. if you're not, uh, if you listen to that and you're not a Patreon subscriber, isn't that enough to mm. know that you could have a title like that? Mm. Uh, thank you, Sam, and happy birthday to Chris. And uh, also, thanks to Gordon for the um, for the email. Those are our podications this week. And if you would like one, you can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.